Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm pretty jacked up because we haven't seen Penn State football like in its, all its glory in quite some time. So it's like, let's go. Let's do this. I'm excited. Let's get some wings. All right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pumped <laughs> up about this. Oh, Pater! Pater! everyone and welcome to another edition of the Paydirt Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. We are so excited because it's just about one week left and change until the first game of the year. It's not even a week, to be honest. I'm pretty sure this airs on the 30th. So it's like, yeah, it's like six days. So we are so excited to begin uh, talking about Penn State football. This is going to be uh, this is going to be a blast. So Wisconsin's right around the corner. But on this edition of the Pater podcast, we're going to be talking about the news of the alliance uh, between the Big Ten the ACC and the Pac-12. What does that mean for Penn State football, Penn State sports as a whole? The comments by Sandy Barber as well. Um, the Big Ten policy that has come out in regards to COVID um, and also the requirements of Penn State in regards to mask, proof of vaccination, et cetera, potentially in regarding attending live games at Beaver Stadium. Very important for all Penn State fans. Also, we're going to dive into James Franklin's uh, current situation with the Nittany Lions. He is under contract until 2025, but... Where does James Franklin stand with this fan base? We're going to touch on that. Also, the developments along the defensive line. Uh, what's going on, considering we touched on the Adisa Isaac injury a number of weeks ago? Um, who's really stepped up? What's going to be happening at those positions? Uh, Matt and I are also going to be speaking about three things we want to see from Penn State on both sides of the ball this year. And at the same time, uh, we're going to talk about the players returning to class this week and how good it is to see uh, Penn State student-athletes getting back to being normal student athletes, it seems. But before we get into this episode, we do want to take an opportunity to uh, let you know about uh, some of our sponsors. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or future for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Penn State fans, getting the best in Penn State apparel and gifts has never been easier. With a couple of clicks on your computer or phone, the student bookstore can make it happen. Whether it's the latest styles of Penn State apparel or great PSU items for your next tailgate, the Big Blue on the Corner has it all. With great prices, fast service, and a huge selection. Visit our new and updated website at thestudentbookstore.com or visit us in downtown State College on 330 East College Avenue. SBS is open seven days a week and always open at thestudentbookstore.com. So I don't know if you heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7. And that's what has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level up. Couldn't agree more with Lamar. After watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. 
Cool thing is, we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7.com, and use the code BELIEVE at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout to get in on the promotion. I know I will. If it worked for him, it can work for you too. All right, Matt. So this is uh, this is an interesting week, uh, considering everything that's developed over the last handful of days uh, regarding the alliance, the proposed alliance, the very informal alliance, the not contracted alliance between the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12. You and I had spoken about this a number of weeks ago in regards to the news about Oklahoma and uh, and Texas moving to the SEC in the near future and the deal that they struck, the actual deal that they struck. This seems reactionary to some of the moves that the SEC has made. However, all the parties involved, um, the three commissioners and the 41 presidents and chancellors have said that this is not in reaction to the SEC. What was your reaction to hearing about the alliance? I think it is a reaction to the SEC, Tom, but but look, how could it not be? Right? I, I, I mean, the SEC is the conference year after year. I mean the power that they have, um, you know, and obviously with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma now, it kind of put everybody else in a position where they had to be like, okay, what do we have to do? Where do we go from here? Again, I think this is how you keep up with the SEC's doing. I I think it's just as much about competition, Tom, as it is about the money. Um, And again, the SEC is so powerful when, when it comes to football. I think this is the only way to not fall behind, right? Look at the Big 12. No, nobody's even talking about the Big 12. Everybody's wondering what's going to happen to the Big 12. Now, are they going to be a conference moving forward? Are ACC, Pac-12, Big 10, SEC, are they going to start picking teams out of the Big 12 moving forward? We don't know. But what we do know is the Big 12, unlike everybody that's joining this alliance, you know, is getting left behind. Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, the crown jewel, it seems, uh, at least if you're a Big Ten fan, is that now you have access to the Clemsons of the world. You have access to these Pac-12 powers that I think all of us as Big Ten fans, you and I both grew up in terms of seeing the Rose Bowl the one time a year where Penn State uh, would meet a Pac-12 team. And those were always really exciting matchups. And then as a result of the bowl system over the last decade plus, you don't always see Big Ten Pac-12. Sometimes it's like, well, it's just a matter of which brand and school is going to garner the most money if a Pac-12 or Big Ten team had gotten to a bigger bowl game with higher stakes. So I see a lot of positives to it. What confuses me, and it's something that um, for a lot of good information on this, I highly recommend people following Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic on social media. She covers this stuff down to the detail. Um, The one thing that she brought up is that this is a quote-unquote gentleman's agreement. That is kind of how it was outlined by all the commissioners. So like, do you buy this handshake deal? And does this seem like an antitrust situation just waiting to explode? I think we have to buy it for now. I think it's exciting because there's so many <laughs> possibilities. Like one thing I took away from it, you know, when uh, when reading you know the press release and everything they they put out about it was it said the football scheduling alliance will feature additional attractive matchups across the three conferences while continuing to honor historic rivalries and the best traditions of college football. 
That's what excites me is what you were just talking about. It's the potential for those big game matchups year in and year out. Tom, I'd love to see Pitt and Penn State again every year. I, I think funny. they should uh, play every year. Yeah, I agree with you. And Kenny Pickett, the quarterback for the Pitt Panthers, agrees with you. In fact, he was saying that Pitt, West Virginia, and Penn State, all three should be playing each other year in, year out. And I completely agree. And you and I were talking about this in recent weeks and that standalone value for some of these schools it's not fantastic. It was some of the, the the downside to the ACC and even the Pac-12, but those rivalries that come up yes. really make you enticed, and then they attract uh, they attract older fans, but also fans like myself who remember those days or remember some of the great matchups within bowl games. If we could get those regularly, and it doesn't hurt if, man, say you're in Ohio State or whatever, and you're able to get Clemson on your schedule uh, early in the season and add that to pad your resume or plenty of the other UNC right now is outstanding. There's a lot of talented teams that you can kind of hang your resume on at this point. I think that's how they're getting people to to buy what they're selling right now is because there are so many possibilities. I'd love to see Michigan, USC, Wisconsin, oh. Florida State. You know, the list goes on and on. It just it makes some makes for some very interesting games and matchups. And you know what else I think could be fantastic, which which they're doing more and more in college football. I think it it could be fantastic to see these teams play at neutral sites playing. You know, there's a Pac-12 ACC or Big Ten team at Lambeau or playing at Soldier Field or AT&T Stadium. Um, in Dallas, I think that would just try to help cut down on the cross country travel for this uh, for these student athletes, Tom. But what also what it does, you know, for schools like, you know, the Wisconsin's or the Penn States or, you know, teams maybe in the middle of the lower pack of the, uh, the ACC. Right. It, it gives you national recognition. Right. I think this is going to change the landscape of recruiting as well. Having these schools play all over the country. Um, again, it gives these recruits to take a look at all of these different schools, know that they can play anywhere across America. And I think that is what has made a school like Notre Dame so special and such a popular place over the years. I mean, aside from obviously playing the ACC last year, Notre Dame plays wherever they want. Florida State this year, USC, you know, yep. North Carolina, Stanford, they're in the national spotlight week mm -hmm. after week. And I think with this alliance, it could give all of these teams a chance to do that as well as long, Tom, as you make the most out of those non-conference games. Yeah, and that's paramount. Um, my my thing for all my fandom is to be cautiously optimistic because, again, and I, I want to hammer this home, there is no contract. This has been referred to as a gentleman's agreement. So I'm very curious to see what comes of this, and I am also very curious to see how long it lasts. That's another thing. <laughs> Um, in regards to uh, the greater issues with uh, the Big Ten Conference, um, they did announce uh, this past week the Big Ten policy is that if your team tests positive for COVID and your team cannot compete in a game because of COVID-related issues, the team that had the COVID issues would forfeit the contest to their opponent. Matt, this is very similar to what the NFL has instituted. Uh, you and I have gotten into the, the issues of professionals versus quote-unquote amateurs and student-athletes. But personally, I'm a big fan of this, and this is going to encourage more and more people to be safe and be responsible, not just for themselves, but for people within their school, their town, their families. I mean, you said it perfectly. That's what it is. And it's crazy, right, to think that if you can't play, that's a loss. I mean, that can be huge. That can determine your season. Um, but it's gonna, it's going to show who and which of these teams are are really taking care of themselves outside of the facility. 
Um, I mean, it's it's important, man. It, it, it's huge. You know what I mean? And you, know, you mentioned, you know, we, we were talking a little a little bit of this about before we started here. Um, you know about how Penn State. Um, you know, you're not going to be required to show proof of vaccination or you don't really have to wear a mask inside the stadium. You know, we're seeing more and more schools, um, you know, come out with their guidelines. Now, like Michigan State, it's encouraged to wear masks, um, you know, at Spartan Stadium. Um, if you were a student going to a game time, would you wear a mask? Would you not wear a mask? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's weird because, I mean, Penn State can fit, you know, 107,000 right. people into a stadium. You cannot trust every last one of those people. Yeah. Um, personally, uh, I'm vaccinated. Uh, at the same time, I've uh, had people in my own family who were vaccinated and then uh, got COVID. So anything can happen. I'd be fine wearing a mask. I'd be fine attending a game. Um, but I, it, it's a developing situation. I do want to emphasize for anybody listening to this, uh, we're recording this on Thursday, the 26th. If something has changed <laughs> since then versus when this posts, please pay attention to it. This is a story that came out recently via the Philly Inquirer that Penn State's not requiring masks or proof of vaccination to attend games live at Beaver Stadium. So uh, I just encourage people to stay informed, stay educated, and to just take care of themselves. Because it's just there's just too much to risk. Yeah, I think, you know, as an as a former player, Tom, I mean, if I'm running out that tunnel on Saturday afternoon at Beaver Stadium, you know, I'm trusting Penn State. I'm trusting the football program. I'm trusting you, you know, as a fan as well to, you know, to to help protect me, you know, as well. I mean, I, I just I hope as many people are vaccinated um, as they can be, you know, ready for, and, and heading into Beaver Stadium on game day. Um you know, I mean, I think if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask, you know, but just keep in mind of everybody around you, the players, the coaches, everybody there on game day, Tom, because we know what it's like to not have football last year, to see teams not play because of this. And look, we all want to see football week in and week out. So I think everybody knew everybody needs to do their part. And we want people to be safe at the end of the day yeah. with all this. I'm with you. I love tailgating. I love being in State College on a Saturday in the fall. It is it is what gets people going. It's why the Penn State fan base is just so passionate. It's so much fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, just everybody take their time, stay informed. Uh, the Penn State Athletic Department uh, and the university have done a great job getting information out on a regular basis. Um, obviously, uh, Sandy Barber came out recently and said, I believe north of 82% of the entire athletic department is vaccinated. Um, James Franklin has been protecting his uh, players and his staff in terms of not revealing the exact, uh, exact statistic of how many people on the football team and staff are vaccinated. Um, but obviously, you hope all those people are taking care of themselves. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, and speaking about James Franklin, um, he's been talkative this week. He did a, a press conference, I believe, yesterday inside Beaver Stadium during a practice happening at Beaver Stadium. Um, it was one of his first times speaking to the press in person, I believe, since early 2020, which is kind of mind-blowing, Matt, when you think about it. It's such a regular occurrence that a player like yourself would speak to the media and just all the complications you've had with COVID – Nice to see things kind of getting back to normal and James Franklin getting to field these questions in person again. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting, right? I mean, look, uh, that's part of the job as well, man. You know what I mean? Getting up there in front of the media, being in there in person, answering those questions, man. And, uh, you know, uh, as tough of a job that is, um, 
you know, you're just glad you were able to do it in person and be able to interact with these people, you know, and talk to them. But you're right, Tom, I'm glad it's, it's slowly becoming, becoming normal again, you know, and hopefully it can stay that way. Yeah. And obviously James Franklin and company getting ready for Wisconsin. Uh, I do want to talk with you briefly about Wisconsin uh, later on here in this episode, just to kind of get your thoughts heading into that game. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little later on, but um, James Franklin, um, I'm curious to see what your thought is because as a fan, I understand how I feel about uh, what's going on during now James Franklin's uh, eight years uh, as head coach of the Penn State Indy Lions. He is under contract until 2025. Um, you see a lot about fans online talking about his buyout um, of $38 million, despite his contract status, Matt, which obviously the university seems very happy with him and the way he's recruiting, things seem to be hopefully going in a positive direction. Is year eight make or break for James Franklin with the fan base? If things don't go well for Penn State, Tom, or his seat starts to get warm, they should be hoping that he leaves for another job in college because like, I don't think he's an NFL type guy. And here's why, because if he leaves Penn State for another job in the college, college or NFL, which again, I don't think he's an NFL type head coach. Um, you know, when you look at the contract, the buyout clause began at five million in 2020 and will decrease by one million each year until 2025. Right? There's, um, you know, and there's no buyout clause in place if if he leaves the team in his final season of the contract. So you're, you know, if you don't want him to be the head coach at Penn State anymore, you better be hoping that he's leaving for another head coaching job as opposed to being fired because you can own you're going to owe him a lot of money, but I, I don't think he's going to get put into that category with Gus Malzahn or Will Muschamp or Tom Herman, where the school is just going to eat money and keep spending money after money, bringing new coaches in and trying to change things. Like, things aren't the things were broken at those schools. Things aren't broke at Penn State. 11 wins in three of the last five years. Expectations are high because of how close he's been. Last year certainly didn't help, right? But you said it perfectly mm -hmm. again, Tom. They recruit well, which I think people see and think to themselves, okay, this is great. We're heading in the right direction. We'll be good in a few years. It doesn't work like that, right? I've said it a number of times already. Patience doesn't exist anymore in college football. People want to win now. Recruits are expected to play now. They're expected to play immediately when they step on campus. You know, And I just like to remind people, it doesn't always work like that. Big, talented recruits, sometimes it doesn't always translate. Sometimes it takes them two or three or even, you know, heading into their senior year to really fully understand how to play the game at a Division One level. So you can't look at it like that. Um, you know, if they do struggle this year again, Tom, this won't be the year, you know. Yeah. Um, but if they start to trend downward, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, but again, man, you know, sometimes the grass isn't always greener, you know. I mean, look at look at like Jim Harbaugh, Michigan. Who are you? Who else are you going to get that's going to do a job that he's done in the past few years? It, and isn't that such a curious case? Not to not to get lost with uh, a different school, but I, you know, remember when Jim Harbaugh got hired and everybody and their brother thought, "Oh, this is the Michigan man. This is the right. hiring." And now um, Ryan Day and company in Ohio State are like, "Yes, yeah, stay there as long as you want, man." You know, it's <laughs> fascinating. Well, that's why. I mean, unfortunately, when you're at Michigan. It doesn't matter what you do the other 11 games of the year. It, it matters yeah. what happens on that 12th game. Can you beat Ohio State? That's I mean, I, I, you know, aside from Michigan, is there another school in the country that really your season depends on one game and your status as a head coach and the way you're viewed <sighs> by the media and your fans and alumni? I mean, that yeah. comes down no, to one game. That's, cra you're that's crazy. You're absolutely right. 
You're absolutely yeah. right. And then you hear comments from Michigan talking about like, oh, they're not thinking about Ohio State. They're thinking about, quote unquote, little brother and Michigan State. And it's like, you guys have no room to be talking right now. But yeah. you know what? We'll take a step back. After the season Penn State had last year, we also don't have a ton of room to be talking. So everything in moderation. Uh, we will be hosting Michigan, by the way, on November 13th. So everybody can circle that on their calendars. Um, I want to come back to uh, James Franklin because, as I mentioned, he did have a press conference uh, yesterday where he was speaking about a handful of different position battles. So it sounds like some of the positions that we've talked about, um, there are slowly decisions being made. Um, Jair Brown, uh, Rudolph and uh, Jonathan Sutherland seem to be the guys emerging to potentially be that other safety next to Jaquan Brisker. So that competition appears to be ongoing. Um, the more and more I read from our friends at Blue White Illustrated, it's that Keandre Lambert Smith is probably going to be the third wide receiver. Um, there wasn't a lot more clarity provided by James Franklin in terms of what's going on with the running backs. He did talk about a rotation of offensive linemen, uh, especially at the guard position, which uh, I'm curious what you think about that. I do want to touch on the defensive line, but two positions really in football, Matt, that you don't think about, oh, they should sub people in regularly are quarterback and offensive line. An offensive line that, as you know better than anybody, that communication, that continuity is so important. So how would you feel if you knew you had four or five different guys rotating in at your two guard spots on a regular basis? And as the date of this airing, we're six days away from Wisconsin. I wouldn't be happy with it, Tom. Um, and look, it's it's but 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 it's it doesn't have to do with a, a talent thing. It doesn't have to do with a trust thing either, because obviously the guys that you play with, you trust all of those guys to be able to do their job, especially offensive linemen. You trust them. You know, they're going to protect you. You know, they're going to play their tails off. But when you walk into the huddle and you're like, oh, Tom's in this this drive. OK, here we go. I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm hoping Tom understands some of these calls we've been making here throughout the course of the game. You know, I hope Tom understands what fronts they've been playing. You know, what, hey, what blitzes have they been going to? You know, understanding what they're doing defensively. Um, I, I, you mentioned communication and as a quarterback and as your offensive line, there's no room for error when it, when it comes to making a mic point or changing a protection call or, you know, Hey, we're running right side. I'm alerting this play. We're go we're running this play left side. You know, check and run, run, check and pass, run. Whatever it may be, there's no room for error. Everybody needs to be in sync. Everybody needs to be on the same exact page. And when you're bringing guys in and out of the offensive line, man, I think it just as a quarterback, you need it just it forces you to take an extra second or two just to kind of process it and walk in and be like, oh, hey. You understand what we're doing here, right? Okay, good. Let's go. Mm -hmm. You don't have time to waste like that. So, I mean, I understand there's competition. I understand a lot of guys are are vying for those positions. Um, you got to make a decision and go with it. And if things aren't working out, then maybe you make some changes. But the idea of rotating offensive linemen, again, in week one against Wisconsin, I'm not for it. Yeah. Yeah, that is very worrisome, uh, and I do want to get to some of your thoughts on the Wisconsin matchup in a little bit, but honestly, this close to playing a team that is so disciplined on mm -hmm. uh, in both trenches, offensive and defensive line, 
<clears throat> that's a scary proposition. So we'll uh, we'll touch on that in a second. Um, speaking of the trenches, uh, that's uh, the situation with the offensive line for Penn State. Um, you and I talked about defensive line uh, in episode two because of the injury to Adisa Isaac. Um, he came out. Um, obviously, he's lost for the year, unfortunately. Um, there's been talk about Jesse Lucchetta, um moving and working predominantly a defensive end. Um, the defensive base set sounds like it's going to be more 4-2-5, and that fifth defensive back, quote-unquote, is probably going to be a guy named Brandon Smith, which is fascinating because he can operate in space. Uh, it just depends on who they have him aligned up against. So what have you heard in terms of who's emerging along the defensive line? I think you and I both know about Mustafer, Tangelo, Nebuchetti as guys that they're going to rely on. But what's been the the word out of camp at that position? Yeah, I mean, that has been the concern, right? Especially the DN spot. We spent a lot of time, you know, on this on the last podcast. I actually talked to a friend of mine. You, you mentioned Blue White Illustrated earlier. Uh, talked to a friend of mine who who you know works and writes for Blue White Illustrated and you know, he had mentioned that he's pretty sure it's going to be Ebiketti, Mustafer, Beeman, and Tarburton there on your front four. Um, you know, he went on to say Hansert is going to back up Mustafer, Tangelo be behind Beeman. You know, they wanted Luketa at the end. Um, but I think there's been some mixed signals there. You know, and for me, again, you know, wanting Luketa at the end for a while, like if he ends up playing there, it's because they don't trust what they have at the defensive end spot. Think about that time. This is a guy who's played linebacker his whole career. I think he's played thir over 30, 30, 35 games at, at the linebacker position. And now you're saying, hey, mm -hmm. bro, go play defensive end for us this Saturday. I mean, that's just, to me, that's a red flag. Um, right. You know, and if you give, you, you mentioned, you know, kind of previewing Wisconsin a little bit here. Wisconsin is notorious for having one of the best offensive lines week, year in and year out in the Big Ten. And Graham Mertz, who I think is one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten, I think he's going to have a breakout year this year. If you cannot get pressure on him early and you give him time to stand in that big Wisconsin pocket, it's going to be a long day. Yeah. Uh, Graham Mertz is somebody that I, I've spoken very highly of. He's somebody that I think, depending on how their season goes, and a lot could happen, so just tempering expectations, if he blows up the way that it looked like he could have last year had it not been for COVID, Graham Mertz is a guy who could be in the Heisman conversation and very easily could end the season as the best quarterback in the Big Ten. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but there's a lot to be worried about, but also excited about for the Wisconsin matchup. Um, one thing that uh, I know you and I wanted to discuss was um, what we're hoping to see on both sides of the ball this year. Uh, from the offense, the defense, what are three things? I'll start with the offense with you, Matt. What are three things that you want to see from the Penn State offense uh, as we're this close to Wisconsin? Well, I think number one, uh, you know, everybody talks about playing fast. What does that really mean, right, Tom? I mean, everybody wants to play fast. You know, and at times we didn't see that last year for Penn State. I think there was some miscommunications last year. I think there was a lot of second guessing. So this year I want to see, can you play fast? Um Going back to a guy like Joe Moorhead, right? Uh, no huddle type offense where the goal is to get set up and to play fast, right? Try to confuse the defense. Try to make sure there's a lack of communication on the defensive side of the ball. But guess what? If you don't know exactly what the defense is doing, then your fast-paced offense doesn't matter. There's a difference between mm -hmm. playing fast and playing in control, Tom. Just because it's no huddle or an up-tempo offense doesn't mean you run plays just to run plays. Yurchich's job and it's Clifford's job to make sure that 
this is the best possible play at this moment, right? Depending on down and distance, depending on the situation. But guess what? If Mike Yurchis calls a wrong play, don't go out there and run it, Sean Clifford. You know, you have to have an out, <laughs> right? I think he needs to have a better plan for when things go wrong. Yeah, there, there needs to be, uh, in my opinion, regarding the offense, I'm hoping to see consistency because it was just so inconsistent last year. And Sean Clifford seems to be in a different headspace this year. A lot of that probably a byproduct of you know, working with Mike Yersich. Right, I'll say this, Tom, and then we'll move on. Reserve the right to punt. Yeah. Don't feel it's always necessary to go for on fourth down, especially early <laughs> in the game. Reserve, and- reserve the right to punt the football. And it's also <laughs> not necessary to go for two every time. That's okay. Analytics be damned. Take the points. Maybe I'm old school in that line of thinking. But um, yeah, personally from the offense, Matt, I, I want to see consistency. Um, I want to see the downfield passing game coming back because last year, I think because of a myriad of issues, I'm not putting this on any one person, the passing game really didn't get beyond 10, 15 yards at the most. And if there was a downfield passing game, it was a prayer to Jahan Dotson down the sideline against Ohio State. And Jahan's a breathtaking athlete. He can make that play. But now everybody knows about Jahan Dotson. So downfield passing, using those freaks that we've talked about in the tight end room of Strange, Warren, and Johnson, those guys seem really excited to get on the field. Um, and then lastly, for me with the, uh, the offense, the offensive line needs to step up. And we talked about this just moments ago in terms of there's still indecision at some of the guard positions. There's talent and there's some senior leadership there for the offensive line. But last year, Penn State could not run the ball and they could not pass protect. So that unit, regardless of who trots out there on the field at Camp Randall in week one, needs to really step up and protect Sean Clifford and create some gaps for the lawn boys. That's what I'm hoping to see. Um, defensively, what are your three well, things? Let me, wait, let me go. Uh, well said, by the way, Tom. Um, but let me well, go. <laughs> let, yeah. Let me let me finish my last two thoughts here on, on the yes. offense here before. Yeah, you're 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 moving on without me, man. Uh, my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> they got to be better in the red zone. Right. Struggled last year in the red zone, one of the worst in the country. Need touchdowns, Tom, not field goals. Right. Throwing windows are much tighter down there. Things happen faster. I'm thinking touchdowns. I'm thinking six points once I enter the red zone. I'm not thinking surviving. Right. I used to get so excited when we approached the red zone as an offense because I knew I had a chance to throw a touchdown pass. <laughs> that's, that's what every quarter, every quarterback wants, man. And if it was on the goal line, I was going to try to call my own number and sneak it in for a touchdown. As quarterback, you should know the plays that are going to be called from the 20, 15, 10, 5 goal line. That's what you're doing all week. That's what you're preparing. Hey, I know what Yurchish is going to call here once we get into the 15. I'm ready for it, man. I'm hoping he calls that pass route. I'm hoping he calls a fade to Jahad Johnson or whatever it may be. It is such an exciting part of the field. You need to stay aggressive down there. Understand you have three points in the bank. Right. You got the field goal in your back pocket. So there are opportunities then for you to take chances. Um, and lastly, for me, it's time to play under center. Right. No more shotgun on the goal line. No more shotgun in short yardage situations. No more handing the football back to to or excuse me. No more handing the ball off to a stationary running back. Let these guys get downhill. We got to be able to play the game from under center. And in Mike Yurchish's uh, offenses in the past, he's used a fullback type player. And he's even he's, he's even uh, mentioned it in, in, in some articles. Uh, 
right? He may use a tight end in, the, in that lead blocking spot. I, I mean, I fully expect them to be uh, under center in some short yarders, goal line packages. I think in those situa- situations, we can see them look more like a traditional offense. So that's kind of the outlook for the offense. Um, I do want to take this opportunity before we get to the defense to let you know that all of us involved here at the Pater Podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer. And we invite you to join this fantastic community of Penn State students, alumni, and friends at the annual THON 5K powered by PNC. The event will take place on Sunday, October 10th. This year's theme for the event will be Illuminate the Journey, with both in-person and virtual races taking place. Last year, during the virtual THON 5K, powered by PNC, THON volunteers and supporters from across the country collectively ran over 57,000 miles in the fight against childhood cancer. To learn more about THON, the 5K event, or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. All right, Matt. So we touched on what we're hoping for the offense. What are your three keys for the Penn State defense? Well, I'll start with my first one and then I'll go to you. Uh, I think we have to create more interceptions, obviously, defensively. Look at some of the best teams defensively in the Big Ten in 2020 time. Indiana had 17 interceptions last year, which is insane. Uh, Iowa had 11, Northwestern 14, Wisconsin 8, Penn State 4 in nine games. Uh, Brisker had one. Brandon Smith had one, Keaton Ellis had one, and Lamont Wade had one. But Tom, what's most important about that is they only had two within the first six games, right? That was a mm. huge problem in 2020. We're talking about Wisconsin here as, as we you know prepare for that game ourselves, I, I guess you could say. Wisconsin's not going to beat themselves. They're, they're not that football team. We talked about consistency. They are the model of consistency. Um, they're not going to give you opportunities to take the football away time after time, right? I sound like Cindy Lopper now, time after time. But <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man. That so brings when, me back. So when they give you a chance to create a turnover, Tom, you cannot miss it. Yeah. Um for me on the defense, and this sounds really cliche, but It's teamwork, and and I don't know what you thought watching the defense last year, but as a fan, I watched it, and it felt like it was not 11 guys working together. It felt like 11 islands, and it just seems like the vibe through camp has been really positive that everybody's on the same page. They're motivated. They're working in the right direction. I think last year, because of everything happening with the pandemic, understandably so, um, things were not the same, and then the losing did not help. Um, Hopefully, that has been corrected going into the Wisconsin game uh, this Saturday. Uh, what's your second key? You have to get to the quarterback, right? We just talked about the, the defensive line and the concerns we have about it. Um, 
you need to replace a top five team in the Big Ten in sacks last year, right? But I just don't want to see sacks every now and then. I want to see hurries. I want to see pressures. I want to see you trying to force a quarterback to escape the pocket, right? As a quarterback, Tom, it's so hard to get into a groove when you're constantly seeing or feeling color. Um, and what I mean by that is, like, you're looking downfield to throw the football. You're not looking at the rush. But when thin things do start to break down, you can feel that, right? You can feel and see the opposing team's jersey color, you know, from your peripheral vision, right? It forces you to get off your mark, forces you to move. It messes up your timing. Um, you know, it, it forces you to move on in your progressions, um, you know, Again, this is crucial in week one against Graham Mertz because I said it earlier, if you give this kid all day in the pocket, you know, uh, he, he's, he's just going to con do completion, completion, completion. Hey, again, it's going to be a long day in the back end. So need to create pressure early on. Find ways to do it. If that involves blitz packages and and changing up your front and stuff like stuff like that, I mean, I say get as, get as exotic as you want, um, defensively at least. Yeah, um, I actually had the exact same thing for my second point, just a disruptive defensive line. So I echo <clears throat> your sentiments there. Um, I'll, I'll go to my third real fast and I'll let you get in there. And then I really want to talk about Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> my third was just continuity from the secondary. There were too many gaps. There were too many problems. It appears that uh, the depth issue has been addressed. There seem to be some good guys that are going to be able to rotate in. Kalen King sounds like he's been a monster during spring ball and over the summer. So hopefully he's that guy you see as the third defensive back. The safety position, aside from Brisker, seems to be solidified. But uh, hopefully that secondary really takes the next step with Tariq Castro-Fields, Joey Porter Jr., and Brisker leading the way. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's tackling. I think taking better angles in in the secondary. Um, you know, uh, Maryland is obviously one of those teams that had a ton of success against Penn State in the past game. And when you look at that game last year, what Rakeem Jarrett did is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Right, he had five for a buck forty four and two touchdowns. There was a third and three. He runs a shallow route versus man. It goes for forty yard touchdown. Safety takes a bad angle. Jarrett's out the gate. Um, next time, Tom. He goes for 60, third and six. This time it's two man, right? And with two man coverage time, without getting into a long, detailed uh, you know, description of two, two man, what basically two man coverage is this man underneath with two safeties over the top for help, right? The number one goal in two man is to not let the receiver inside. What happens? They run the same combination. Jarrett gets inside and he's out the gate again. Bad angle by the safety. I mean, you're the last line of defense back there. Right, get as deep mm -hmm. as you want in two man. Um, can't happen yep, again. Too many times that's happened. Too many times that's happened in 2020. Um, a lot of times the first guy missed the tackle. Tom, right? Can't happen starting September 4th. I love that. All right, we have been uh, looking at all the headlines since the beginning of August, and now it's finally time we have a game. We have Wisconsin this Saturday, September 4th. Uh, at noon on Fox, the game is in Camp Randall. Let's start with the Penn State offense up against the Wisconsin defense. What do you like? What do you not like? Well, I think it's tough preparing for Wisconsin. Obviously, the job Jim Leonard has done over the years at Wisconsin is, you know, I think in a lot of ways underappreciated, man. He's got this team right at the top of the Big Ten year after year, one of the best in the country year after year. I mean, they don't make mistakes. Um, defensively I think patience is going to be huge 
for this Penn State offense here in week one, right? Take what Wisconsin is willing to give you. Stay on the field, move the chains. Um, Sean Clifford has to play completion-driven football, Tom, right? Um, you know, don't get caught up in, you know, the whole Mike Yurchich type offense where explosive play after explosive play, right? Th those opportunities will be there, but you just got to know when to take those chances. Um, you know, when I look at this this offense in this game, Tom, I think the number one thing is playing at Camp Randall in a full stadium again, right? How loud that's going to be. How well you need to communicate with one another offensively. Make sure you're on the same page when it comes to signals. Um, make sure you're on the same page when it comes to silent cadence and everything that you're doing. You talk about rotating offensive guys. If you're rotating offensive guys in and out, they better be paying attention on the sideline to what we're doing in terms of our our, our mic calls, our hand signals, um, our cadence. Um, I think that's going to be huge because, you know, if you start getting off track early on in week one against Wisconsin, and I'm talking off track by false starts, penalties, things like that, you know, you may struggle in Camp Randall. Penn State football season is finally here, and the best place to get started is the Student Bookstore. The Big Blue on the corner has a great selection of apparel and gifts and everything you need to get your tailgate roaring. We have cups, plates, tablecloths, napkins, serving trays. If it's blue and white, you can find it at SBS. There's always something going on at SBS. Every home football Sunday from 11 a.m. to 11.45 a.m., the Nittany Lion will be at SBS signing autographs and posing for pictures. Stop by SBS and meet college football's greatest mascot. Open extended hours during football weekends and always open on the web at thestudentbookstore.com. Hell of a way to start the season in Wisconsin. <laughs> um, so let's flip things. The Penn State defense up against the Wisconsin offense. We've spoken a lot about Graham Mertz. How big of a jump does Graham Mertz make this season as does he do it at Penn State's expense in week one? We got to remember they got a, they're looking for the next big running back at Wisconsin too. And I think they have that in, in Jalen Berger. I think he's somebody who can really explode onto the scene here this year in the big 10 and, and be that next big running back at Wisconsin. I mean, that's what we're going to do. They're a traditional pro style offense. Um, you know, they're going to they're going to run the football and they're going to use play action off that, which suits Graham Mertz perfectly, Tom. Um, you know, and I think you said it. You said it perfectly. I think he's going to be that guy this year in the Big Ten. He's going to be that quarterback in the country that takes the next big step kind of into the spotlight. Um, he is so well polished in terms of footwork mechanics, um, you know, for a young guy. Um, you know, he's a very good player, very good quarterback. Um you know, um, it, this is a great matchup. I'm, I'm super excited to see this on September 4th. Yeah, the defensive line of Penn State, we've talked about. Hopefully there's going to be plenty of disruptions, still questions about the pass rush. So um, that's something we do know about Wisconsin. Traditionally, they like to be the team that pounds the rock up the middle and then kill you with the play action. Graham Mertz is different. He doesn't necessarily fall into that mold of the, the Jack Cones of the world and a laundry list of other quarterbacks that felt – um, like they've been cloned, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. He can do a lot more than that. Now, my question to you is, uh, the running back, uh, uh, Berger, and then the the running game, we know will be there for Wisconsin, but the receiving core has always been a question, not a ton of talent there. Can Graham Mertz and company beat Penn State's secondary? 
Yeah, I think he's good enough to, you know, work with guys that aren't superstars out there on the edge. You know what I mean? I really do. When you mentioned some of Wisconsin's past quarterbacks, I think you needed a big marquee guy on the outside for those guys to have success as quarterbacks. But I think he's good enough to where he can throw guys open, right? He can put balls in small uh, in small windows versus Penn State's for Penn State's coverage. Um, you know, uh, so you know, again, I think he's good enough to kind of make up for the fact that they don't necessarily have a big marquee guy, maybe. Mm. All right, I'll put you on the spot, and I'm excited to hear you call some games for the Big Ten Network this year. Uh, by the way, congratulations on that. Some news broke about that online, so that's going to be very exciting for you. But I'll put you on the spot for this Big Ten opener. Who wins, Wisconsin or Penn State? Oh, man, Tom, putting me on the spot here. Listen, I think it's a tough <laughs> one for the Nittany Lions. I think if they played later in the year, they'd, they'd have more of a chance to – to uh you know to win this football game i just it's hard for me to sit here right now and honestly say that i think penn state's going to win on september 4th um i think it's wisconsin just because of where they're both at right now um we don't know what to expect from my gear offense we really don't we don't know how well his team is executing the offense um are they 100% comfortable with it? We don't know. And I say that, Tom, because I've dealt with this in 2012 with a new offense with Bill O'Brien. We didn't hit our stride until weeks three, four, five, six. We we started 0-2. We struggled in the red zone. Things weren't clicking early on. You know, we thought we knew what we were good at, but we didn't really figure it out until we started playing games, until we started game planning. Um, you know, so I, I think there's going to be a learning curve for Penn State early on here as the season kicks off. That's not saying, look again, and I'm not, I'm not picking yeah. on them. I'm not. And it's not saying this is where they're going to finish the season, but I think early on, it's going to take some time to really figure out what they're good at. We're going to see what happens this Saturday, the fourth at noon on Fox Penn state at Wisconsin to start the 2021 season. Uh, I'm pretty jacked up because we haven't seen Penn state football, like, and it's all its glory at quite some time. So it's like, Let's go. Let's do this. I'm excited. Let's get some wings. All right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pumped <laughs> up about this. Um, just to let all of our listeners know, uh, first of all, we're so grateful to have uh, uh, dove into this process with the Believe Podcast Network. And as the season progresses, we're going to be recording on Sunday. So we'll be reacting to every game and then previewing the game to come. Um, stay tuned to our social media channels for any changes or developments that might happen. But we cannot wait to start talking about Penn State football games, games on a weekly basis, Matt. You jacked up? You ready? Absolutely. You throw yeah, on the dude, pads? It, it's here. I wish. If somebody called me right now and told me to put a helmet and spikes on, I would be there. I'd play for free. <laughs> Just let me get back out there, man. I miss it. I miss the, com I miss the competition, man. You know, I miss the grind. Uh, I miss the feeling that you get, you know, when you're going into the stadium or when you're running out of the tunnel. Dude, I miss the feeling of my spikes on the grass. You know what I mean, man? You miss all that. So uh, it's awesome, man. You know, uh, for all these student athletes that, that get the opportunity to take the field, obviously starting this week and, and as the season goes on, man, make the most of that opportunity because it's, it's going to be over in the blink of an eye. We're almost there. A couple more days and the Penn State season kicks off. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next week on Pay Dirt.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.